Reading again from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5. Verse 2 describes a certain place. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Verse 4 speaks of a certain season. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And verse 5 speaks of a certain man. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. So verse 2, a certain place, you know where Jerusalem is. Do you know where the sheep market in Jerusalem is? Well, we don't know that. But by that sheep market, if you could find that, John said there is a pool. He wrote this after Jerusalem was destroyed, but apparently the pool was still there. Bethesda means house of kindness. And depending upon how it's uh, translated into English, being Bethesda, it's a house of kindness. Other uh, versions interpret it a little differently, and it's, it's the house of mercy. Well, either one is a good option. Perhaps that's in contrast to Egypt, which was known as the house of bondage. Egypt was not so kind to the children of Israel, and they cried out for deliverance. But the problem was not the house. The problem was the condition of the hearts that lived within the house. A kind house can still yield a life of bondage. I grew up in a kind home, really. It was an old home. It wasn't uh, by today's standards or even the standards of the 1950s and 60s, a, a desirable home. After Debbie and I got married, I took her through that. By then it was abandoned, <clears throat> and it made an impression on her. But uh, even at that, I, it was a house of kindness. It had a good upbringing, structure, had many of the benefits that People today lack along those lines, so the condition of the house notwithstanding, the um, direction, the guidance provided uh, was kind and merciful. And yet it still left me, when I left that home, in bondage. So the problem again is not the house, uh, the problem is the condition of the heart if, if there is a problem. We see in Titus a description of every one of us, really. We ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, thank the Lord, the kindness and 
and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So no matter what kind of a home, physically, or the circumstances surrounding that home you were raised in, at some point in time, the kindness and the mercy of God is extended to every individual. While this certain place was kind to one, it it was, in a sense, cruel to others, all others, in that they were left disappointed because only the first one into the pool was healed of whatever malady they suffered, and the rest were left in the same condition with which they came. In verse 4, a certain season. Well, we learn from the opening of this chapter that it was a feast season. There's different thoughts as to which feast, which Jewish feast this was, but whichever one it was, it brought a number of people to Jerusalem. The angel went down at a certain season into the pool. Was that annually? Or was it a a season that recurred more than once in a year? Well, we don't really know. But at this certain season... People came. They had needs. And there was hope one would go away with the need satisfied. The water was stirred. Whether or not the angel was seen, I suppose is open to debate. But one thing was not open to debate. The evidence of what happened there was seen. And hope, as a result, brought an audience to that certain place at that certain season. They must have known when that season was. I don't think anyone is caught by surprise at the Christmas season. You know uh, that is coming if the Lord tarries this year. It came last year, uh, and it will come in 2021 if, uh, if the Lord allows So it is here at this season, uh, people were drawn uh, to this certain place because they had hope that they would be a miracle. It's not like like the gospel. With the gospel, it's whosoever will may come. In this particular case, it's It was whosoever was first got the victory. Well, it's ironic because those who had the greatest need would be least able to get to the pool. I don't know if anyone here has any uh, aches or uh, or pains. I suppose uh, if you looked hard enough, you could complain about something, but it wouldn't do you any good because you'd still have it when you were done complaining. 
But if you had on this day, at this uh, certain place, uh, during this certain season, a headache, for example, uh, you could plant yourself near that pool and when those waters were troubled or were stirred, uh, you were there. And you go away healed, apparently. But what about the one with the broken leg or worse? What about the one who who uh, was altogether powerless. He's called the impotent man. He had no power to uh, help himself. And we we see at this uh, certain uh, season, whereas one would go away uh, shouting the victory, it, it marked a season of futility for everyone else. Well, life has seasons. There's uh, infancy. Nobody remembers that. We don't even remember the experiencing the, or living the, the terrible twos. You might remember experiencing it with, with your little ones or not. Then people dread. I'm told I, this wasn't our experience. You know, there were challenges, of course, but here and there. But the, the teen, teenage years. You know, the teens are characterized in a merciless way, really. We should extend kindness and mercy uh, toward them, and we do. Uh, Then there's uh, adulthood. Uh, Some experience parenthood. Uh, Then uh, there's uh, seniorhood, or whatever you want to call it. So there's seasons of life. Uh, There's advantages and disadvantages to every season. So if you're younger, you can say, I can hardly wait for the advantages of the next season. But one thing about it, during one of those seasons, Jesus shows up. And he sometimes shows up multiple times over a span of seasons. It's so interesting to me, and I no doubt have mentioned it before, how uh, having seen my uh, younger brother Harlan uh, yesterday, I, I heard him testify one time that the Lord spoke to him all the days of his life. I was in the same home. I don't. I, I wasn't aware of, of the Lord speaking to me at any time through those uh, seasons. But he, he does show up, and he did show up for me. But he, he has shown up for you. perhaps multiple times. And if you are young enough to where you uh, can say, well, he hasn't really showed up for me, well, if that is the case, and it probably isn't, you probably just aren't aware of it, but even so, if you think that is the case, you can uh, edit that sentence a little bit and say he hasn't showed up for me uh, yet. Then that's what made me nervous, actually, as a... 21-year-old uh, university student at Oregon State sitting in that classroom and having the debate between the professor and the student where one maintained that God to initiate an encounter and, and uh, the student maintained that she could initiate an encounter with God. And this was enlightening to me and I began to fear that encounter. I didn't care who was going to initiate it. The fact that it could come petrified me. I thought, what is going on here? 
Well, it came. So at a certain season, in a certain place, in verse 5, there was a certain man. That's the element that was missing. That's always uh, the element that is the most important element. It doesn't matter uh, where you are or what time of of year or what, what season it occurs. Uh, sooner or later, the gospel call comes. And that's what happened to this nameless man. He was, like I said, powerless. He was held captive by his condition, which is really a, a, provides a metaphor of the human race. This man uh, suffered from some sort of uh, paralysis, uh, perhaps, or w- whatever condition that, that, that forbid him from uh, navigating a- as he would. Uh, but the entire uh, human race is held captive by the condition of carnality. In- until we get saved and experience deliverance, we're, we're powerless, and we're powerless in the sense that we, we can't just wake up one day and uh, declare I'm going to be delivered from sin. No, it it takes Jesus. The professor was really right in that sense. It takes the Lord to initiate that encounter. Uh, The the young student girl was right uh, too because she could drop to her knees and pray at any time, anywhere and know that she could touch God with her prayers. So I, I understand that. But no man can come to the Father except the Spirit of the Lord draw him, Jesus said. Well, he had a problem. We, we see in the text, uh, in the reading rather, that uh, Jesus knew he had been uh, now a long time in that case. Well, the man knew it as well. 38 years, that's a long time. 38 days is a long time. In, the, in some cases, if you're sick or afflicted or whatever, uh, so this was a long time, but uh, once in a while, we see here that Jesus knew about it. knew he had been a long time this way. He knew the number of years as well. Well, there's times where uh, we might say to ourselves that nobody, nobody understands. There's never been a case like my case. Well, we, we may not understand it, but there is one who does. And we need not be held captive by our condition, whatever it is. We need not be in a state of spiritual paralysis. The Lord knew it. He asked him a question, "What thou be made whole? Well, that's why he was there. So the Lord knew the answer to the, to the question, but he, I suppose, wanted the man to at least... Uh, respond in his own mind, uh, would he be made whole? Well, he had low expectations. He'd been there before at another season and maybe 38 times before. So despite his efforts, he, um, he, he saw two hindrances we see in the, in the reading. Uh, first, he says, I have no man. He was friendless. He had nobody to turn to to help him. That, that's a sad account because there were many there. I don't know how he got there, if he was brought there, or if he had enough mobility to get there himself. 
But he said, I have, I have no man, I have no, no friend to help me down there. And then the second problem was he just simply wasn't fast enough either way. He said, another step steps down before me. Every time I see the water stirred, I, I head that way. But way before I get even close to it, somebody's already there, the guy with a headache. Well, perhaps to the Jewish audience, John was speaking to the inadequacy of the law to repair the damage done by the condition of carnality. But it also shows that our best efforts to remedy whatever is wrong in our own strength will certainly fall short. But Jesus, he heard what he said, but he really didn't respond to that. He simply said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Well, the the sense is, before this moment, he couldn't rise. He couldn't roll up his, what we would call perhaps a mat, And he couldn't walk. But he just got started doing what the Lord said to do. He rose. And we don't have the details except to say immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. He never made it to the pool. So it's not about that specific location, that certain place. It's it's not even about a certain season. It's about a certain man or a woman or boy or girl responding uh, to the command of the Lord, which is to get started. And, And he walked. Notice where he went. We find, uh, as the account continues, that Jesus found him in the temple. He went to the house of God. We're more uh, limited, granted, nowadays, but I thank the Lord that um, most of us can get here and with some uh, frequency. But it's certainly in, in our hearts, even when it's viewing from home, uh, we we look to, to heaven and uh, look to the Lord to to meet us. With Jesus, it's always a certain place, a, a, a certain season, and a certain person. Just look back at, at chapter 1. We have fishermen at a lake. I guess we could call it fishing season. Chapter 2, we have the governor at Cana of Galilee, wedding season. Chapter 3, we have Nicodemus near the temple at night during Passover season. In chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well during watering season. Who knows? But uh, as far as for you and me today, we're, at a, we're in a certain place, whether it be here in the sanctuary or where you are at home or elsewhere. And it's a certain season. You know, if you want to call it October... 
go for it. Fall time, whatever. You are the certain person. You are the certain individual. Uh, Today can be a marked day in your mind. The season that exists with the Lord, no matter the place, no matter the person, is basically a, a season of opportunity. That's what the gospel presents. It presents an opportunity. So you're, you're in that place, that house of kindness or that house of mercy. This is the season. And you are the person. Let's look heaven's way and believe that God can lift any law that exists and send us on our way rejoicing. We'll have a song of invitation, but we encourage you to take a few moments before Uh, This time is over to pray. God bless you.